I'm Tavis Monty. This is KBLA Talk 1580. Our phone number 1-800-920-1580, 1-800-920-1580. Some breaking news here that you might have already seen. I'm just not getting a chance to get to it. Uh, but Stephen Twitch Boss, who was the uh, amiable DJ for uh, Ellen DeGeneres' daytime show, is dead at the age of 40. Um, it appears... Um, it appears that he was found in a room by himself with a gun, single gunshot to the head. Um, so it appears that this is suicide. Uh, and if, in fact, that turns out to be the case, another example of a black man committing suicide. We've talked so much on this program over the last year and a half about the increasing numbers of black men, young black men, killing themselves. So here's a guy who, known around the world um, as a DJ, a great dancer, rose to fame on So You Think You Can Dance. Uh, his wife has confirmed, of course, that he is dead, and she put a statement out. Uh, but we're being told that, uh, again, he was in a room by himself, uh, gun present, single gunshot wound to the head. So it appears that this may have been suicide. Uh, perhaps we'll get to some of this in the third hour of today's program, perhaps. Uh, but if not, we will come back and talk about it once again in the days ahead about what it is that's happening in the world uh, that is causing so many black men, the fastest group or the group um, that is committing suicide at the highest rates, uh, growing fastest, uh, are black men. Something is happening. Um, and so many black men think that the only way out is to uh, take their own lives. So um, Stephen Twitch boss dead at the age of 40. Uh, let me uh, shift um somewhat awkwardly uh, to the conversation that I want to have now, a uh, conversation about technology and innovation and specifically whether or not technology and innovation are still improving our lives, our nation's overall economic health, enhancing our freedom of expression and America's overall security. There are some who believe that we have finally reached a point of diminishing returns. Doug Kelly ain't one of them. <laughs> he is with the American Edge Project, and I'm delighted to have him on this program. Doug Kelly, how are you today, sir? Hey, Tavis, I'm great. Thanks for having me today. It's good to have you on the program. You heard me say a moment ago that there are those who are questioning whether or not technology and innovation are still leading our nation in the right direction. What say you, sir? Uh, I say technology and innovation are America's secret sauce uh, in helping protect our national security, in uh, helping accelerate economic growth and also advancing our values. I mean, technology is not just another sector, right? Mm -hmm. It's the backbone of literally everything we do. And yeah, there's some problems that happen when you have new technologies hitting society and politics. But overall, technology is really helping drive progress forward in our country. Yep. How do you respond to folk, uh, Doug, who think that we've become, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, that we've become too reliant on technology and what's missing in the process is human connection, human interaction. So in some ways, technology is harming us as opposed to helping us. Well, you, look, I think with anything like that, you got to have a balance of things, right? I mean, uh, technology has helped us remain even more connected with each other than ever before, mm -hmm. um, both online but also offline as well. So, for example, you know, Facebook has connected, you know, three billion people around the world. Um, that allowed me to see some story about a teacher in Arizona. I lived in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, it was a really hard story, so I found her on Facebook, sent her a note, and now I'm helping, uh, you know, pay for some of the things she needs in the classroom. That that ha that happens millions of times a day mm -hmm. uh, in this country. So this ability to connect us. 
uh, through outside of our own community, it really makes a big difference. Yep. I mentioned a moment ago that there, there are many who believe, as, uh, as I suspect you do, that technology and innovation are enhancing our freedom of expression. The flip side of that is that uh, we see more people going off the range in expressing themselves, be it Kanye or Donald Trump or any number of other persons I could name, not trying to just single those persons out. Um, but there are people who are concerned that this freedom of expression is being exploited, being bastardized precisely because of technology and innovation. Your thoughts? Well, you know, on on the content part of things, like free speech is the fundamental underlying American value, right? People mm-hmm. really believe it. Um, I think one of the challenges is that these private technology companies, look, they've got, they have a community, right? This is what they've built for people there. They have pretty clear rules of conduct in that, and they want to make sure it's a good experience for everyone. So they have to make some tough calls on what to have on and what to have not. Um, you know, I'll just give you one example from, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with Facebook, right? It's it's reduced hate speech by 80% over the last three years. Um, and so that's a matter of really building some cool AI tools that can see hate speech and pull it down even before people see it. Um, but it's a problem. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, all of our speech is not fully free. There, you can't scream fire in a crowded theater. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, there's consequences. So, you know, we have to be able to have a balance. But I would just say, you know, stepping away from that part, you look at the economics of this, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Technology has been an enormous difference for businesses, particularly small businesses in this country, right? You know, there's 6 million minority-owned businesses in America. They add $1 trillion to the economy each year. Mm -hmm. And technology plays an outsized role in helping those uh, business owners connect with new markets, service their customers and build generational wealth like that. That's kind of the untold story and underappreciated story of technology in the community. I couldn't agree anymore uh, with you on that particular point, Doug. The flip side of that argument, though, uh, is that we all know there's a racial divide inside of uh, the the world of tech and innovation. Uh, and I've had a number of conversations over the last year, last few months, in fact, uh, about that racial divide inside of tech. Uh, too often, people of color uh, are, are good enough to be consumers, but not content producers. And so while you're right that uh, technology and innovation help drive small businesses like this radio station, uh, we couldn't do it without tech and innovation. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a witness in that regard. I'm a supporter. Uh, I'm down with you in that regard. But I am also concerned about this racial divide inside of the industry, the tech and innovation world, where, again, we're good enough to be consumers, but not content creators. Your thoughts about that? Yeah, you know, I think you make a great point there. And, you know, folks have used some of the same social media tools to bring pressure on these companies to take action and make a difference in these things, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of the Black Lives Matter protests were accelerated through social media. Um, and so the big technology companies have really heard that. And so they're doing a lot of direct investments in minority-led start- startups, right? So Microsoft is investing $500 million in artificial intelligence startups uh, founded by people of color, right? Mm-hmm. Google is doing $175 million uh, in uh, African-American startups. And Amazon has a $2 billion investment in minority businesses. And I know in terms of content creators, uh, each of the social platforms has been trying to pull and woo away the various content creators because those build audience. And so, you know, there's definitely work to do, right? And we, every business, including technology, 
uh, has work to do in terms of boosting its diversity, boosting it, what it looks like to represent America. Um, and I'm glad to see the tech companies are stepping forward and leading in that area. Speaking of America, when we come forward, uh, I want to ask you, uh, Doug Kelly, about how tech and innovation are enhancing our nation's overall uh, economic health. Uh, we talked a bit about that. I want to come back to that. But more expressly, I want to get to this notion of America's overall security. In what ways uh, are tech and innovation uh, enhancing our national security? I'm thinking of Russia, uh, who... Uh, who hacked our elections and any number of other issues that I could put on the docket, which I will when we come forward. But we'll talk about tech and innovation and America's overall security and the relationship, the link between those two things. And we'll get a, uh, a more direct conversation with Kevin, with uh, Doug Kelly, that is, about the American Edge Project. I want to hear and want you to hear more about what the American Edge Project is doing. Our guest is Doug Kelly. and You're listening to KBLA Talk 15. So delighted to be joined by Doug Kelly of the American Edge Project as we talk about technology and innovation and whether or not tech and innovation are still improving our lives, our nation's overall economic health, enhancing our freedom of expression and America's overall security. Before I jump to the security issue, um, uh, Doug Kelly, tell me about the American Edge Project. Yeah, the American Edge Project, we're a coalition of 24 different groups, and they range from small business associations to the National Black Chamber of Commerce to the U.S. Minority Chamber of Commerce. And what we do is we focus on and talk about the importance of America maintaining its, in, its technology innovation edge in the world. Because uh, like I said at the start of this, technology isn't just another sector. Mm-hmm. It's the very backbone of our national security, economy, and values. So we try and educate lawmakers, the public, uh, and other influentials about the importance of keeping our technology number one. Yep. Uh, let me ask you, uh, Doug, whether or not we are, in fact, maintaining our edge. And I ask that because I sit in L.A. You're in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, this station is heard across the nation, but we're flagshipped in Los Angeles. Uh, and um, obviously, we are the home of Hollywood. And so uh, there are always mm-hmm. conversations about piracy. Uh, and Hollywood always has concerns about uh, around the globe how its content uh, is being uh, maltreated, for lack of a better word, uh, being exploited. Um, so are we maintaining our edge around the world when it comes to tech and innovation? Well, let's just take it from a national security standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. There's a, a growing competition between what I'd call techno-democracies and techno-dictatorships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the dictatorship side is China and Russia. And China is our biggest geopolitical foe when it comes to kind of leading the world going forward. Uh, and it matters which country builds the future, right? Those mm-hmm. values help build the future. It sells the different products that it builds in different countries for that economic gain. And the question is, are we going to build the future or are we going to let China build the future? Now, China, to its credit, is investing very, very heavily in building its technological capabilities because they see their technology innovation. They see that as the key to over kind of overcoming the U.S.'s edge. Um, and so the question is, you know, how do we maintain that edge? So Congress has done some good things in passing things like the CHIPS bill, which helps create more microchips here right in the USA. Mm-hmm. But they're also considering some things that can really harm America's ability to innovate and hand China a technology edge that will last for decades. Mm. I'm wondering, um, to your point, um, whether or not in that race um, to be the first to create this, that, or the other, uh, when it comes to tech and innovation, 
whether or not we should be concerned, how concerned we should be, put another way, about AI. I was just discussing AI in our in our last hour. And again, you can't talk about tech and innovation these days. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it already in this conversation already, which is this notion of, uh, of AI. H- how concerned are you? How concerned would you say the American people should be uh, about the advances, if I can put that in air quotes, that we're making regard to with regard to AI? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that the strategic technologies that determine who builds the future are artificial intelligence, quantum, super fast computing, uh, five and six G technologies, and then kind of the extended reality overall. Those are the the future battlefields where we are really racing against China overall. Um, and so whoever gets there first is going to have that decided edge. In terms of um, the AI and what that means overall, look, it's it's a brand new technology, right? And there's mm-hmm. pluses and minuses with it. Overall, the pluses outweigh the minuses. But I can promise you that when it comes to how do you how do you regulate AI so mm-hmm. it doesn't you know boost bias? How does it do things so it's not discriminatory? Uh, U.S. companies are going to have a better eye on how do we use this and adjust it in a way that is more responsive to uh, consumer needs than China is, right? China Mm -hmm. uses it right now surveillance, control, and censorship. And that's not the U.S.'s vision of the Internet overall, right? Ours is free, open, and accessible, and China's is closed, censored, and controlling. So really, at the end of the day, you know, America has to build a future so that we have that advantage both for ourselves and our Western allies. But we both agree, though, it's going to have to be regulated, yes? Oh, my gosh. Already, many of the tech companies are looking at their algorithms and AI and saying, listen, how do we set up an external review board so it doesn't have any discriminatory effects? You know, how can we build larger data sets so it's inclusive of more communities? And how do we build in front fairness on the front end in the design and building of these tools yeah. as opposed to like letting it out of the bottle and then kind of going back and trying to figure out how to shove it back in. Yep. Um, no, everybody I've talked to of late um, has uh, said to me that we're already in a recession, whether the, the economists want to acknowledge that or not. We're in a recession right now. And all the indicators are uh, in 2023 that this recession is going to get worse. This is not going to be a great season. We are told, um, economically, uh, when it comes to Christmas shopping and all the holiday stuff, um, so we're we're in a we're in a tough spot right now economically in this country, and it may get worse before it gets better. Uh, the question is whether or not uh, that said, we are headed toward a tech boom or a tech bust, boom or bust when it comes to tech and innovation. We'll get a response to that and a great deal more when we come forward. I guess from the American Edge Project, Doug Kelly, he's on KBLA Talk fifteen eighty. Conversations that matter. matter. You're listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. I've got just three minutes left in conversation with Doug Kelly of the American Edge Project. Just three minutes. Let me see if I can squeeze out two or three questions right quick. Number one, uh, it appears that the economy is headed uh, in the wrong direction. Uh, Maybe we'll pull out of this, uh, Doug Kelly. Uh, But this recession uh, may very well get uh, worse before it gets better. Uh, To your mind, are we headed toward a tech boom or a tech bust? Well, I'll say that our overall economy will largely follow how tech goes, and how tech goes depends on what bills Congress passes. They can pass bills that either accelerate innovation and help tech and our economy go, or they can pass bills that stifle and undermine the innovation, mm-hmm. and that's going to set us all back across every single sector. 
So there's a new Congress, as you well know, about to be seated. There'll be a new Speaker of the House. Um, to your mind, is that new Congress uh, poised to be uh, an tech and innovation friendly or tech and innovation foe? Well, I hope they're tech innovation friendly, because I think the one thing the pandemic has shown us is that there's certain technologies and certain uh, products that we need to develop here and manufacture here, whether it's microchips, whether it's pharmaceuticals, that, you know, look, global trade is fine. But if we're too dependent on supply chains overseas, um, whether it's a pandemic or hostile actors, we have to have a core set of stuff made here so we can have access to it to sell it to our Western allies. So hopefully uh, it'll be tech friendly. Yeah. Um, this is inside baseball, but let me ask anyway, you know this stuff better than most, but I want to just make it um, hopefully usable and accessible to our audience. Where these trade agreements are concerned around the globe um, uh, vis-a-vis tech and innovation, are we, the American people, getting a fair shake? Well, I think one of our biggest challenges that we face um, is really onerous restrictions by other countries who are trying to handcuff our biggest innovators mm-hmm. um, when it comes to their own domestic policy, whether it's restrictions on where data has got to be located, whether they can participate in a market or not. Uh, those are some of the things that other countries are doing to, quote unquote, stick it to big tech in America. Right. But the problem is that has a ripple effect that hurts the entire U.S. tech industry mm-hmm. and therefore uh, undermines our ability to innovate, undermines our ability to grow economically. And so there are allies, but we have to come together in a way as like, how do we help accelerate uh, techno democracies' strengths against techno dictatorships? Yep. And that's that's kind of where we need to go in the future. Finally, I got a tight sixty seconds here. Um, you're talking to an audience that's full of people of color, uh, and I'm wondering whether or not um, the tech innovation sector. Uh, is unlike the environmental movement, uh, which is getting better, but for so long was run by white folk, to be frank about it. Uh, And I'm wondering in this particular sphere, whether or not the leadership teams, those who are doing uh, the the outreach uh, are made up of just white folk, are we included in that as well? No, you are. I mean, look, just take a look at our coalition, right? It's Mm -hmm. the National Black Chamber of Commerce, U.S. Minority Chamber of Commerce, Hispanic organizations, Asian organizations. Like if we, we will not, achieve the promise of America if we don't get everybody in America on the technology field. Uh, you know, and remote technology is also helping tap talent, yeah. whether it's in Cleveland, whether it's in Mississippi, that could no longer go to the coast, but now they can work for one of the critical tech companies right from their own home. And so we need to make sure we're investing in STEM talent all across the country. He is Doug Kelly of the American Edge Project. Doug, thanks for your work and thanks for the conversation. I appreciate you, sir. Happy holidays. Hey, you too. Thanks so much. Thank you, sir. More of Tavis Smiley after news, traffic, and sports on KBLA Talk 1580.